I'm Kyle Floyd. I'm the CEO of Vox Royalty Corp. We are a precious metal focused third party royalty acquisition company. What we look for is great royalties all around the world that entitle us to a revenue interest in these projects. The best performing royalty company of 2021, according to us. <laughs> and the numbers. Um, how are you doing? It's been a while. You've been okay? How's Christmas? Matt, it has been a while. Uh, Christmas was great. New Year's was great. Happy New Year to you and the team. Um, yeah, it was a really successful 2021 for us. So it was uh, it was great to kind of turn the page and get into 2022 as well, because I think this year um, is likely to be our best year yet. Well, strong start. Um, Sabanier Stillwater um, project, you just picked up a royalty there. Um, tell us a little bit about that, because I want to I get into that one, because it's, it's potentially quite a big deal. So um, why don't you give us the highlights first? Yeah, this deal has been brewing for a very long time for us. It's something that our, our team is really excited about. Our shareholders are going to be really excited about. Um, and this is, you know, we talk about being able to find great assets and great royalties at great valuation for our shareholders and finding a way to put these types of interesting deals together that really create value uh, within our business. This exemplifies all of that. And so this is a deal, you know, in our database, it's really one of those forgotten royalties. Um, it is a absolute elephant. It's a monster. It increases our um, gold equivalent ounces under resource um, inventory and, and royalty linked by, by magnitudes. It's a 50 million ounce all in uh, gold equivalent resource. So we're talking about just an epic project of significant proportions. Previous producer as of 2008 and, uh, and operated by one of the you know, premier mining companies on the planet and uh, a mining company that, that really knows how to operate these types of deposits. So kind of checks all the boxes for us and what we're looking to, to create and, uh, and where we find value for our shareholders. It does as described, but I want to get into it, okay? Because it's a $10.4 million uh, deal, um, Canadian. Um, what, what, was the, what was the structure of the deal? You're not paying all of that up front, obviously. Correct. So it's $1.5 million in Vox stock up front, and that is restricted for two years. And it's we've been very consistent in our messaging to the market that we are not looking to dilute via an equity raise anytime soon. Uh, we are continuing to find ways to stretch our balance sheet in you know, what we would call um, the most attractive ways possible. Uh, this being one of them where you know the group that sold us this royalty really took a long-term perspective on our stock and on the upside uh, and our ability to create value for shareholders. They were also able to take some risk off the table. This is in Sabanya's two to five-year development horizon, um, as they've disclosed. So for them, it was taking a little bit of risk off the table, but more so that upside in our stock and realizing that our stock was also going to move um, and have that, that potential for really significant increase uh, in relation to bringing this deal in. Okay, so um, okay, there's two projects: a Dwalcott project and, and also the uh, Messina project, one percent and 0.7404, I think, remember correctly. Um, you you you're talking about fifty million ounce gold equivalent. That's that's massive. Do your uh, royalties sit on the entire fifty million ounce or part of? It was start with that. Yeah, so our royalties sit over the entirety of the known resource. Um, which is which is obviously very very significant. And so to break it down a little bit, the Baobab shaft, which goes down 450 meters, uh, tens of millions of dollars were spent on this back in the early 2000s to bring this in production. It went out of production because platinum cratered. It went from around $2,000 an ounce to around $200 an ounce. Um, so it's a platinum, palladium, rhodium deposit mainly, and then gold and nickel. So it's a really interesting deposit type. But if you look at that basket of metals. 
since the time that went out of production, there was a little bit of volatility. They're reskinning the project and, and commencing, and they've already completed two studies since 2017 on it. But that basket of metal prices has increased on average about 7x from where it was when they kind of paused and went in care and maintenance on this project in 2008, 2009. So it's one of the things that we really looked at is the viability of this project, you know, was there, it had tens of millions of dollars spent on development is now kind of making those noises. This is coming back. Um, and when you're talking about 50 million ounces of gold equivalent resource on a past producer operated by one of the who's who uh, of the majors on this planet for operating these types of deposits. Um, you know, to us, this is just a, a fantastic deal. Um, pretty much from any vantage point. Right. And, and it's a gross royalty. Just remind people not a net royalty. It's a gross royalty. Right. Um, so, so just on just coming back to the money size thing, 10.4, 1.5 of that in shares locked up for two years is the start. Where's the balance come from? What are the, what are the deliverables that they need? Uh, need so the, the balance have? really will, you know, and, and we'll get into this in more detail on kind of the further closing press release, but um, it really comes down to uh, meaningful production milestones being hit on the project. So, you know, we're really uh, in a very low risk position right now where if for whatever reason there's delays, um, you know, we're, uh, we're not in a big stock outlay or cash outlay position, um, but we fully expect that that 10.4 million will be paid at some stage. Uh, we believe that this project is going to come back online uh, and we're really excited about that. So really amazing value, um, really good kind of risk appropriate um, opportunity for us that uh, obviously increases our our metal inventory in the ground uh, by magnitudes. But let me let me let me be clear. I want to be really clear here. So there's no outlay from you until to what to what point? Because obviously there's a there's a 2017 feasibility study. They reviewed that in 2020, and a conceptual level um, reopening studies happened already. So they sound like they're committed. But, and they're a big company, a big balance sheet, able to get cheap capital to get things moving. But they've also got lots of other mm -hmm. projects around the world. How sure are we that this thing is, you know, a priority for them and it will get into production? And if so, um, tell, talk, talk me about those, the, your need to um, deliver further payments to them at what stages? I'm, I'm kind of interested in the detail here. Yeah, again, we will be delivering. There's another kind of smaller payment that will be due when um, production is commenced and royalty revenue is received. And then there's a much larger payment that gets you to the 10.4 uh, when millions upon millions of dollars have been realized in royalty revs. So um, really for us, you know, I would say in the next 12 to 18 months, um, you know, not much exposure for Vox shareholders in terms of more shares, significantly more shares going out. So we believe it's a, a very well um, struck deal in terms of how it's been organized in terms of compensation for the opportunity. And I think also well done for the seller um, in that it takes a little bit of risk off the table and they maintain a lot of exposure of it, obviously with this project and, and believe in, in what we're building here at Vox. So um, that's what that looks like. In terms of Sabani Stillwater's kind of attentiveness on this project, you know, it's it, again, they've, they've had disclosure out to the markets. Um, it's in their active two to five year plan. You look at the infrastructure that's been invested, you look at the metal price movement, 7X for this basket of metals from where it was in 2008. Uh, and then again, you know, they are making kind of this, this kind of transition and investing more dollars into what they're calling more of the clean tech metal space, nickel being one of those metals. Nickel is a huge byproduct on this opportunity and this project. Um, so when we looked at it, it uh, it just it checked all the boxes that we could possibly be looking to check. Right, and and like obviously we look back at Longman's production, um, you know, seventy three and a half uh, 
thousand ounces of PGMs, and you know, I think it was seven hundred fifty-two um, ton of nickel and five hundred thirteen ton of copper. So, you know, it, it produces a certain rate. Are we expected to use those figures? Have the, did the um, did the feasibility study which they put out operate at that level, or are they planning to increase? I mean, what's what's the sort of ramp up? Is there any indication when do we and when can we start putting um, doing some math here and working out what the potential is for you? Yeah. Uh, so if you if you look at what it produced and what the feasibility study says, you know, that would do around $1.3 million worth of cash flow per annum for decades. Um, if you look at some of the feasibility studies and the updates to it and what they're what you could kind of reasonably expect um, if they bring to so the Baobab shaft already sunk to 450 meters, it's already produced and this royalty is paid. So, you know, it checks a lot of boxes in terms of the security of the interest. Um, if you look at the dual crop, which is, again, uh, the mineralization and the veining kind of moves continuously across the land package. So this is kind of that next grouping of, of high-grade veins. If that project comes online and they are going to be driving into these ore bodies, um, it's our understanding that this is going to form part of the bringing back into production plan. That would see, you know, uh, on a high-level basis, revenue approaching $3 million uh, at pretty conservative metal prices. Um, so that's that's kind of to get your head around some round numbers, 1.3 to about $3 million annualized revenue for decades. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I think a lot of room for upside on those numbers as, as this project advances with continued studies and, and further investment by Savani Stillwater. It, I mean, yeah, I mean, it's, it's vast. You, you know, 50 million ounce gold equivalent is, is, is vast. Decades. I mean, how, how does a company like you, or how do royalty companies generally um, play this? Obviously, three, you know, one and a half, three million bucks a year is is welcome, but you can offload this for a big chunk of change, can you? Wouldn't someone else give you a nice big multiple on this one? You've done a great deal. Further down the line, do you, can you monetize it further for more immediate you know, return? I think it really comes down, Matt, to what our shareholders want. And if our shareholders said, "Look," value extract on this opportunity, sell it on somebody, um, we would. What I will tell you is the pretty clear messaging from our shareholders is that this is exactly why they're invested in us. Go find great value right where you stand now with catalysts ahead. They're going to significantly increase the valuation of this company. Um, we've been tremendously successful at doing that for the last few years for our shareholders. This is consistent with that strategy of disciplined acquisitions, finding forgotten royalties. I mean, this was a royalty originally held by a company, uh, the project was originally held by a company called Southern Era, was then acquired by Lawnman, was then acquired by Sabanier, which acquired Stillwater. These are the things that we're looking for around the globe, activated by our database, activated by our people. Uh, Rian Easterhusen did a tremendous job bringing this deal in. He's South African by birth, spent a lot of time on the ground there and has great relationships. So it really takes all of that to bring these deals to the table. Um, that being said, if it was in the best interest of our shareholders to go find a way to monetize it, um, you know, we would, but I don't think that's the, the messaging from our shareholders to us as management and our board at this stage. Okay, so if, so if, I'm, if I'm looking at what some of your peers are doing, and we interviewed one of your peers a few weeks ago, maybe a bit longer, um, the four times your market cap, five million revenue next year. Compared to you, um, but they, they, they seem really well valued. I mean, are they doing something right? They're doing something better than you. Well, you mean more valued compared, you know, higher relative valuation compared to us? Yeah. Um, look, you know, uh, 
I'll probably leave it to you and to uh, the rest of the investors out there to make those comparisons. I think we're executing at an extremely high level. The value that we're bringing in, the ability for us, because we've looked um, at so many transactions, we're scouring the world. We have a great team. They're technical by nature. Um, you know, we've just created a lot of value by being very, very disciplined. I think the market, um, this opportunity being one of them, uh, is going to wake up to how much value we're able to create on a systematic basis. Uh, a lot of this, a lot of this royalty kind of, I would call it the sector, is based around, you know, paying top dollar for deals and trying to scale and eventually, you know, get to the billion dollar size and then tell investors that they're going to realize a re-rate when all they've done is serially overpaid for acquisitions. Um, you know, I think it would be very hard pressed for even any of our competitors out there to say Vox is overpaying for what they're doing. Um, they might have different niches and, and slightly different styles in terms of what they're trying to achieve, but ultimately, no royalty company out there has a competitive advantage that we do. Um, and they're not able to utilize that to the extent that we are. So I think our systematic capabilities are proving out. And, um, you know, the investors that were listening to us when we went public may have had some doubts on our ability to execute. I think we're, you know, we're answering a lot of those doubts um, and have demonstrated and validated that we can create more value than just about any other royalty company in the sector. There's not one interview that I've I've done with a CEO of a royalty company where they've said we've overpaid. They've actually all said we have bought really, really well. So you've just said what everyone else says, but what's the difference in you and the others? I don't, I don't you don't need to name anyone, but I'm just saying when when you say and you, you're using you know strong language there, saying we're, we're buying well, buying well. No one can uh, criticize us because we're, we're being highly efficient. We're doing all the right things. Um, we've got stuff that other people haven't, but it's a bit difficult for investors out there when everyone's saying the same thing. So sh- show me what I should be looking at. Talk to me about what I should be looking at. Absolutely. And it, and it is tremendously difficult. And some of the royalty companies are doing their best to make it difficult on investors, to be honest with you. And the reality is if what you should be looking for as an investor is what's your price to book? Ultimately, you should be buying assets and returning a multiple on that to price to book. You, you, you're using terminology there that most people don't understand. Price to book means what? Okay. Price, so market value of your company over how much have you paid for your assets? So you know that's a, that's a very good metric to start with because if you put out $180 million for deals, uh, acquiring royalties or streams, and you traded $180 million, they've essentially done nothing with your capital in terms of adding value to it. So that's a really good place to start. And we lead the industry in that capacity. The other place to look is revenue. Well, how much have you paid for that revenue? And this is where it gets really interesting. If you look at a lot of the companies that have come to market over, say, the last five or six years, um, their gross margin or really their net margin, their net profit on those deals. So if you take what they're realizing revenue, less what they paid for it and the depreciation they're with, um, their, their gross margin on these deals is very, very thin. So you know they're paying one times NAV. So they're paying full price for an asset. One times NAV means one times the net present value of that cash flow stream. Well, what have you done for your shareholders if you bought something one times NAV? You are relying 100% on an arbitrage multiple, which says that because it's in your portfolio and we're going to try and find some upside and, and belief in your business and that this royalty might be worth more at the end of the day, and it gets down to the royalty framework and some of the advantages of royalties that don't exist in all royalties, you're going to buy it at one and hope you trade at 1.5 or two times that asset value. What we're doing fundamentally is we're buying assets 
at a fraction of their net asset value and then allowing them to re-rate within our portfolio. So when you look at what we delivered in 2021, we had the highest rate of revenue growth organically. So assets acquired pre-revenue that turned on revenue. And when they did turn on revenue, those gross margins were extremely high. So even um, you know, even accumulating or accounting for depletion of those ore bodies, our gross margin was extremely high. Most royalty companies are not delivering that for their shareholders. They're paying such a huge premium upfront that when you start depreciating that ore body against the revenue that they're bringing in, it becomes basically a, a cash flow wash situation. Okay. Sorry if I made that too complex, but we could break it down more. We'll break it down. We'll we'll. In fact, we will break that down for for people. Um, don't want to go over old, old ground here. Um, if I so if I look back at twenty twenty, this this is a good deal. I mean, we, we you know we, we we've looked at this. I haven't had much time to look at it, but from what we can see, this is a strong deal. From what you say, this is a strong deal, and it, like for a multi decade uh, basis, it's a good deal. Um, last year, what was your best deal last year? A lot. I mean, I liked all of our deals that we did last year. Sure, um, but come on, he's probably, a favorite child. You know, probably the one that I was most excited about um, was the acquisition of the Janet Ivy uh, producing gold royalty. We bought that for a fraction of an asset value. Uh, it is it delivered just as we thought it would, where we bought it uh, right before you know it basically became very very clear um, that the operator Norton, who's owned by Zijin, was going to be investing hundreds of millions of dollars to make that the largest heap leach gold operation in all of Australia. Um, so that's in the middle of a huge ramp up. Um, so that would probably be the one that I was most excited about. Um, but again, there were a lot of acquisitions last year. I, I believe we led the space and space and acquisitions. Again, we don't talk about growth for the sake of growth. It's growth at really, really good value on great projects. And, you know, we continue to execute. Right. And when um, when are we able to talk to you about you? I've, we saw obviously the third quarter numbers come out in November. Uh, fourth quarter will come out when? Uh, fourth quarter, I think we're targeting April. Okay. Okay. A little bit more of a roundup there. Um, are you expecting to uh, finish the year with um, net income, or in fact, let's just talk to me. Bro- I, can't, broadly. I can't. I can't. I can't. I can't speak to that yet. Um, we'll see. Uh, I think third quarter we we were basically. I think if you looked at the trailing nine months from third quarter, if I'm recalling correctly, we were right around you know plus or minus a penny or two. Um, so you know I can't really speak to fourth quarter right now, but. What I will say is, you know, profitability is probably not the uh, the ultimate metric that we're targeting at this stage. I think over the next probably 18 to 24 months, um, companies, I've been asked this by investors, you know, how should we be thinking about profitability? Ultimately, companies are valued based on their profitability, right? So that is a, a metric for us that, you know, we'll continue to be paying close attention to and, and starting to guide to. Um, but, you know, right now I look at operating cash flow probably a little bit more than I look at ultimately net income. Right. And how many more of these conversations are, are you in like this about new one? Uh, I mean, I can't get into great specific or, or fine detail on this, but um, I think we're off to a red hot start to this year uh, with what we have brewing. So really excited for uh, you know, what's to come and, and what we'll be able to talk about uh, over the coming weeks and months. Brilliant. Carl, good to catch up with you. Well done last year. Uh, well done on this deal particularly. Um, we'll see you soon. Thanks, Matt. Appreciate it.